Hello everyone, and welcome to Geek Scant, the home of RPG goodness and general tomfoolery. My name is Zach, and I am my own lonely lonesome today. No new host, no additional host, but I'm joined by three creators of the Metromancer crew. Ian, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, for a second I thought you were going to introduce us as new friends, but uh, I, I see what we mean to you. I, I guess I could, yeah. Um, Maybe by the end of this experience we will all yeah, bond, and yeah, then we be the will goal. be formally known as friends. That's going to be the goal, absolutely. Yeah, let's shoot for that. Um, no promises. But thank you for having the three of us on. We're really excited to talk about the project and give people a little bit of a taste of what lurks between the pages. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Stein, uh, welcome to the show as well. Thank you. And, Hello. Yeah. And Filippo. Thanks. Sweet. Happy uh, to be here. I am really excited for you guys to be here. I'm trying to recall, and I think I feel pretty certain that you are the first cyborg uh, uh, group that we've had on the show, which I always like to note when, when we get a new system popping in. Um, so this is exciting. Uh, I like Cyborg a lot and uh, excited to chat about creators and you guys. Uh, Ian, Ian was um, uh, uh, his his he was strutting, I believe, across the camera when we first started uh, because I would I, like to call it peacocking. But uh, sure. Yeah. OK, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Peacocking, strutting. Um, pick your choice. Uh, you guys have done very well on your Kickstarter. Um, this is, I believe, at least Ian's first kickstarter that he's uh, a, a full part of and um you are like the most funded third party cyborg supplement at the moment so that's cool yeah that's exciting it's, yeah it's amazing it's totally wild we're number three in number of backers but it, even since the start of this interview we've got more people backing so it's uh, unreal for certain so thank you for all the people who have backed you are appreciated yes Yes, this is Metromancer, if I didn't say it before, Metromancer, um, not Necromancer, um, and it is, it's very, it's a very interesting project, uh, you call it a subway crawl, which I'm always a fan of crawls that take place somewhere other than a dungeon, um, and so you had my attention right out the gate with a, with a subway crawl, and then you have... Such great art, such great, great presentation on the page. Um, it feels like a project that belongs to Cyborg. Um, and just all in all, I, I, I was really excited, really impressed um, when I saw it come up. And you still got nine days to go. So I think you're going to see a lot more support rolling through before this is over. <clears throat> so thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So let's start here. Um, I'm going to throw these questions at you guys randomly, but if you decide it's better for somebody else to to uh, to answer, you can hand it off. Um, let's start. Uh, let's start with Stein here. Stein, I, I I say Metromancer is a subway crawl. Tell me a little bit more about the premise of this of this supplement. So uh, uh, it's a subway crawl, as you said. Uh, it takes place beneath uh, the city, uh, the city of Sai. And uh, it has uh, its own kind of system within that. Uh, we are kind of um, having it uh, barred down. So it's nobody goes in and out as they please uh, from the subway system uh, and um, uh, kind of isolated to one 
particular place uh, beneath uh, uh, the city. Uh, we have uh, a couple of factions as well. So people that are, have been barred inside there uh, have made their own factions. And uh, there are uh, smugglers' entrances to get to the subway. So somebody has probably escaped from the top side and made a faction inside as well. So uh, we are trying to bring as much from the top side down to, uh, to the subway as well, just to uh, uh, mirror it so it feels at home in, within the, uh, the lore. Hmm. I love it. I love it. Um, it, it has, um, I like the ad addition of factions. Um, that is always cool. I think it, cause it, it helps organize things. Um, you can have 30 different creatures or you can have a wide variety, but if you organize things into factions, people can interpret it quicker and both GMs can, can, can communicate faster and with more adaptability if they can understand the factions and players like to group things anyways. So having like these neat little, you know, like factions that they can easily organize things into for the most part. Um, I think, I think it always works. It always works. It's always an improvement to like, create categories for things that your uh, players are going to experience. Um, I, 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 anyhow, I really like that in, and, and I'll kind of expand out from what you just said. Um, one thing that I noticed on your thing, you have this, this crawl, but you've actually divided it into, or, or you, a part of the experience is actually, it's not one big thing. There's these six mini dungeons. Um, Filippo, do you want to speak to that? Well, like what's the idea of these, mini dungeons and how are they connected? Yeah, okay, so first of all, when we we decided that uh, the world setting will be the metro underneath sea, uh, we we had to find some focal points, I would say, some put some pins to connect the top side with the other side, uh, uh, the underground of the city. And we chose some uh, key locations that were maybe mentioned uh, but not fully highlighted in the in the core book of, of, of Cyborg. And these for us became, uh, throughout the various uh, iterations, the location we wanted to develop as headquarters for the, uh, so actually like we have six dungeons and other six locations which are the headquarters for the factions. We took some of these and they became the uh, headquarters for the, um, for the factions that we are uh, highlighting with just like some few strokes of paint, let's put it that way, to, to just give like uh, an idea of what's going there and, and some some more details about it. And the other six dungeons will still be like very small mini dungeons to, I mean, uh, the book is already massive. It's growing by the day. Every time we look at it, like, oh yeah, we have this cool idea. Let's add something more. <laughs> so we try to keep everything in scope and it's not easy, but these six dungeons will be uh, either like key points for uh, the um, sandbox narrative we're kind of like introducing in the setting. So what is going on in Go? Uh, what are some of the end stations? Uh, what are the roles uh, within this environment? And others are points that have like kind of a specific interest, interest as a connection to the surface. So some might be um, linked or have like an opening and it could be like the entrance point for a party uh, trying to venture into the metro or an escape route for uh, some people that is stuck inside the metro. 
So we try to, we, we highlighted these key locations and we are developing them to give something more concrete. But we're also like uh, designing a um, train station uh, generator so that, of course, like players and GM can create whatever they want to explore any of the other stops of the metro lines that we designed. Very cool. Very cool. Well, so I like I like what how you're describing this with talking about it in relation to topside and and how these 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 areas connect to the surface or don't connect to the surface and minerals. The the feel just from this already this few minute chat uh, feel that I got that that I'm surprised by and that's really cool is it it's almost like oh. <sighs> It's almost like the Underdark for Forgotten Realms in the sense that, like, it is this whole other place that can be explored, this whole other world underneath the surface that has its own rules, but in but is still in various ways thematically and, and physically connected to the world above. Um, and I really like that because... Um, it's that ac that ac those access points down are a fast way to shift from one type of story or one type of environment into another, rapidly changing what the party is experiencing, even in the middle of a session. Um, that's something that you can't get with a lot of other types of biomes or environments. But in this case, when all you're doing is going down, you can see that transition and it's, it's, it's really fun. And it lets you do some quick quick transitions, some quick story changes, some, some, you know, if your party's been traveling up in the city or whatnot for quite a while, um, having a, a way for them to get into the subterranean and into something like the subway tunnels allows the GM to shake things up. Um, Ian, is there anything else I'm seeing? Like, there's a lot of things that we could talk about. Is there something that you would specifically like to talk about in the, um, in the rest of the components of this, of this book? One of the things that we really wanted to do with the book is to really hit all those important elements that have made Morkborg and Cyborg so successful, and that is to have that art punk element where even if you weren't familiar with how to run the game or didn't have a group to play, it still could be something that's on your coffee table. But then we also wanted to have a third of it be great tables and tools and other things that you can use to run that game or to rip out and use for other games. Evan, the kind of the last third is having a combined story that is both you could do just procedurally generated crawl play or you can follow a main quest. So we, we wanted this to be a multifunctional toolkit of a book experience where you can get whatever whatever that's made you latch on to this larger world. It'll, you'll be able to find that in this book. So. Hopefully with people looking at the updates and some little snippets that we're showing, you can really get a sense of that, what we're building. Mm -hmm. and, and, and one thing that, um, that I think is really cool. Um, you mentioned all those things and, and I like the idea of, of kind of providing various access points. That's definitely how I, one of the things that I have fallen in love with, with both Morkborg and Cyborg is that you have a million different access points and, a lot of the key supplements and and even the core books that are made, like even if you don't need or aren't hooked by the whole thing, there's always like in the best supplements, there's things to grab you and things that you're going to carry with you out of it, right? Um, there are certain Morkborg books that I have sitting on my desk when I run Morkborg every time, 
even though I'm not going to run those adventures, I love these pieces of those adventures, whether it's certain loot tables or monsters mm -hmm. or whatnot that are just kind of ready to go. Um, the other thing that I think is appealing that uh, is sits outside the GM's tools and resources is you is player options, and you have six new classes here um, uh, presented. Talk to me a little bit about, and I'll, whoever wants to grab that, what, what are these new classes and what sort of new flavor do they bring to the game? If I could also just tack on one final thought to what you were just sure. saying about having really good resource books, something else that we wanted to really add that ties in a little bit with our lore that we've built is having a set of tools that also allows you to import your resources and assets from Morkborg into Cyborg. Mm. Some GMs like being able to do that themselves with um, kit bashing and uh, adjudicating rules, but some people like to have something that's concrete that they can follow yeah, yeah. that's a little more formulaic. So that's one of the interesting things that will help you to bring in your favorite classes, your favorite monsters and other things to really expand your Cyborg experience. Uh, but Kind of introducing the the six classes. Do one of you two gentlemen want to take a stab at it, or do you want me to uh, ramble about that? Take I'll, let you, I'll let you go ramble. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We can take uh, two each. Sure. Um, in the update that I'll be sending out today for backers and people, even if you're not a backer, you can still see your updates because we wanted to make sure people who are following along the campaign can also get insights into the game itself. We're going to be introducing one of the factions in a greater depth and the associated class uh, called the Goremongers, which is a in one of the core conflicts that's happening within the subway system is this demonic intrusion that is contaminating everything and subverting it and um, creating this uh, this nightmarish apocalypse that's just kind of on the edge of a building to a, a boiling point. And part of the people that are on the front lines of rejecting that as well as other things that pollute the human body or these is the church of gore so these are iconoclastic people that believe that all technology should just be abandoned and that people should embrace the human experiences being pure fleshy things so these are people who um, all their weapons are made of meat and gore and bone. Uh, when they defeat their enemies in combat, they strip their flesh and pan it to make armor and more items. Not so much in a grisly war trophy as much as a veneration of your enemy and um, showing respect for the, the meat that they used to inhabit and all these things. So that's kind of one of the interesting things that you can play is uh, a quasi skinless hulking juggernaut of flesh that is hell bent on destroying robots and technologies and destroying demons. Oh my gosh, I am I'm I'm hooked. I'm hooked. Um, <laughs> well, I have to give a shout out to our one of our stretch goal artists, Simone Tometa, who made a quite fabulous uh, goremonger he, a stretch goal piece of art from us and we gave him the reference art of uh, Hellraiser, both modern and classic, um, the Edgar suit from Men in Black and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And somehow he wove all those elements together into one cohesive piece. So you'll have to check out uh, oh update number two to get a, a, a picture of that. I love it. I love it. Yeah, one of the things that I grew up on was... Um, 
Star Wars novels, right? The expanded universe. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the tail end of the expanded universe, they introduce the Vong, which are these, you know, exactly what you describe as these 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 individuals who reject technology, despise technology. Uh, you know, all their weapons and gear and all that are made from from uh, biomatter. And um, uh, that so that kind of like embedded itself in my skull as like this, this crazy wild thing that um, is that I want to be a part of. And now you've given me that opportunity with, uh, with cyborg. I, I will, this hands down, you've, you, it will be almost impossible for anyone to top that. Um, I will play a, a gore, a gore monger when I play, play your game. Ian. So that's very exciting. Uh, what's another one? Do, uh, children. Yep. Oh, you want, like, do I mean, you want me to go a, a second round in a row? Yeah. Two, two each. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I want to don't don't want to uh, <laughs> dominate anything here. One of the other factions that's interesting that we are um, developing is the Children of Halcyon. So this has kind of evolved over time with the book, but we wanted to have a faction that has a decidedly different vibe and feel about it. So, hearkening to like um, Cosmos Pantos and other type of visionary cosmic horror uh, directors. We have a 60s, 70s drug sex cult uh, that is a strange force. So one of the facts, one of the stations is the the holodrome, and these are these drug-addled utopias that are seeking escape from reality, since reality is this terrible miasmic place, uh, and they do that through just hedonistic debauchery. And the challenge is, is that as this demonic incursion that's happening and this the subway system is getting corrupted, the more debaucherous that their faction is becoming, the more the veil is thinning and strange things are happening. One of the things that we are, are kind of showcasing is a interesting feature about the class is that inherently despite this debauchery they themselves are pacifistic so there is a kind of an emphasis on non-lethal ways to uh, subdue your foes and that's where one of our other classes comes into play uh, which is the hyper junkie chemist if you look at the conflict between the Vared Vipers and the areas of, of Kurgaz there's a large emphasis in cyborg about the drug trade so who are the people that are making these drugs? And that's what we kind of zeroed in on with the importance of drugs and escapism. Here's a class that is kind of a parallel or homologue to a lot of the like esoteric hermit classes in Morkborg, where you make your uh, frog stew and your um, various potions and unguents, but they're drugs. So this is a person that can alter drugs, shape drugs, um, and, and tie in to some of the great resources for drugs that like Filippo even made a fantastic series of really awesome uh, drug books that he can talk about. But uh, a, imagine a, a drug chemist that has a syringe flinger that can just fling syringes in the people and uh, to either buff or to augment their foes. And the drugs in Cyborg in the core book are pretty gnarly as is, and you can really devastate people with injecting someone with a syringe of something. So we wanted to have kind of like an interesting controller class and give something that's kind of that quasi magic that's not really magic that really can change the tide of the battlefield. (laughs) 
And the art that is done for that class for the hypergenky chemist is actually none other but Johann Nor. Mm -hmm. So that is something also worth checking out. His uh, work in progress uh, picture he sent us is totally uh, gnarly and psychedelic. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh, and and uh, the, the picture that's being made of um, the Pleasure Den, which is one of the innermost sanctums of the faction, where it is just one continuous orgy and it's next to an area where people just live perpetually in comatose uh, stupors um, is it's it's a really fantastic piece it's one of my favorite pieces in the book pg-13 just just let me know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is fair, fair, fair. <laughs> yeah um i'm looking at this uh picture and your last update the children of uh Halcyon, um the lumbotomy um and uh not only is it a cool picture but i love that there are lava lamps just scattered throughout that graphic like it's it's amazing that, that's and that that's the fun thing is i learned that you you uh risk a lawsuit by saying like a lava lamp in like print and media kind of like choose your own venture is very protected by choose co so i had to say uh motion liquid liquid motion lamp in my update to reference the lava lamps <laughs> Really? I didn't know yeah. about it. Yeah, I, know. No, I, I, had to, I look up these things you know, with my editor hat, and I'm like, oh, so I can't say a lava lamp. How interesting. But it's, yeah, that, that's that's incredible that every every pleasure pit should have at least four lava lamps, and you've done your homework. So, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Cool. Uh, uh, Stein, you want to cover a couple more? Yeah, uh, I'm... Uh... I can talk to the, you a little bit about uh, the Bowery Cartel. So that's one of the factions uh, they're uh, mostly based on. I don't know if you've seen uh, John Wick, mm -hmm. uh, the Bowery King. So they're oh, like cool. uh, an intelligence uh, network of uh, hobos uh, with mm -hmm. the flair of uh, medieval uh, in him. Uh, uh, and uh, one of the classes they're called uh, Derelict Street Fighter. Mm. He can uh, master both uh, ho hobo jitsu and uh, hobomancy, bum jitsu and hobomancy. <laughs> so uh, they have like a uh, tongue in cheek class uh, uh, as well uh, in there. And we have uh, another class as well that uh, might be very familiar for people that own uh, the Merkborg book. Uh, there is a picture of him on the front page, mm -hmm. on the front cover. Hmm. Uh, so somehow uh, this archaic stranger kind of made himself uh, uh, over here somehow hmm. uh, and uh, you can play him as well that's amazing that looks so <laughs> yeah. cool I think that both uh, Stain and Ian already kind of hinted at it a little bit but uh, I mean I, I don't think we can go too much in detail uh, or, or we should, but uh, a Metromancer as a setting has a bit of an overlap between, it is a little overlap between uh, Mordborg and Cyborg. Like there is uh, war uh, events that brought the two worlds uh, closer than one would like. <laughs> you see like uh, the Metro is in the middle, Cy is on top and mm -hmm. Mordborg is on the bottom. Uh -huh. So you kind of wedge between those so you can bring Merkborg over seamlessly. That same cool. with that, Cyborg. Like, yeah. Over here, we need to have like Sigil, and we have to have like the Lady of Pain just like come in and. <laughs> <laughs> just this is the convergence point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. 
Yeah, I like um, um, Vostgrim has a has an adventure where you could it kind of gives you that transition point to pull characters from Morkborg into into Vostgrim. And um, that's a really fun adventure. So I love, and I love, I love that you have this as like a, a as a middle road. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, it would be very weird to be a player in a Morkborg campaign and not know that your journey into this cave system or whatever, like your GM is actually slipping you into uh, uh, the subway station, the metro. Um, that would be really bizarre and a great way of like a hard transition i think so mm -hmm. cool. yeah but, but how you wouldn't forget about like you're just walking down you know a tunnel with your halberd and your pikes and then suddenly everyone has uzis and you're like what is this <laughs> yes yes uh, i mean that would be that would be wild and a good gm could describe it in such a way mm -hmm. that keeps it bizarre for just those extra few beats necessary to where your party experiences the same confusion as your party, your 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 your, your characters, and um, I think that would be really fun, really fun. And you know, like like I I would not be surprised if there's already a Merkborg adventure written that like there's a crashed spaceship, like buried in in a, in the mountainside or whatever, and you you yep. experience some tech that way. So uh, even as a player, I think I would I would imagine that we were just experiencing long lost tech and not a transition point, which would be really fun. It's cool. I mean, that's that Arthur C. Clarke law, any yeah. sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Right, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Filippo, you want to round it out with anything else you want to go over on the player classes? I mean, I'll be just brief. Like the other classes that we, you know, two classes that we have, one is the uh, Batsheet uh, Chaos Punk. So let's say pure anarchy in the metro and the biggest faction that opposes the Bowery cartel. So here we have kind of a uh, a big infight within the metro tunnels between these two factions, depending mm -hmm. purely on their, uh, let's say, vision of order in a way or another. And the last one is the uh, token, token prospector. So we are introducing in, in the metro, in this ecosystem, its own uh, currency, since it is isolated from uh, from the rest of the city and it will be the EST, electronic subway tokens. Hmm. Uh, we're still arranging out uh, how exactly these currencies, not just a currency, it has like some uh, practical function like opening gates, uh, pacifying uh, security droids and whatnot. And this whole class of the prospector uh, will be focusing on, uh, you know, finding and utilizing as best as they could this new currency that you can find in the setting. That's really cool. Awesome. Interesting. Okay, so that is like a, a larger overview. And I like that we dove down into the classes because we also then got to capture some more on the factions and, so, and, and some more of the ideas. So that, that, I think that, that was a good lead. Um, let's, let's bounce to the Kickstarter for just a moment here before we wrap up. So we've already discussed this is well past funded. You're uh, running up against uh, almost 15,000 in, in funding as of today, almost 500 backers, nine days left to go. Um, this is a hardcover book. So um, for, for, for people listening at home, people watching at home, um, what that means is that you're going to be paying about 10 bucks for the digital version, about 30 bucks for the, uh, the hardcover. 
Um, and then you are looking to deliver that, it says, in November, December, somewhere in that range? That's when we're, we're going to be setting the uh, the proofs to the, the printers, or we're going to be verifying proofs, hopefully, around that period. Uh, we've noticed that over the last year, there's been a lot of significant delays at various times with printers and shipping. So we're giving the best case scenario with the caveat that the world is uh, a big garbage heap fire trash fire right now and we, that's beyond our prediction but we've got our timeline set for how we want to have the content made and locked in and then it's sent off to the printer and then we just have to do that song and dance and then there are these um strange people with big beards that are handling and shipping the books um they're the worst yeah they're just you should just yeah we had those <laughs> they're awful uh yeah that was so fingers crossed on all that um but yeah i think um i think um you're you're not wrong in saying that the world is wild right now and you know any any proposed delivery date is is a proposition at best right um yeah so uh, no worries there i my how i do kickstarter at this point is i just back it and i don't even look at the delivery date and i just like whenever yep. it shows up I will be excited, um, but it, it, it's – I know from my end, and I know it's the same from your end, that it, you're just taking a wild stab at this point. You're just throwing yes. a dart at, at the next 10 years and saying, this day <laughs> – yeah, it's like one of you know one of the things that we uh, are delivering for our backers. The people that back in the first twenty four hours get a free fold out subway map, which is awesome. But it's one of those things because that's an extra piece. What if that printer catches exactly. on fire and we have to find another printer, and then they get raided by pirates? And I mean, who knows? So it, it's uh so our best our best hope would be magically these books somehow start getting shipped out at the end of Q four twenty twenty three, but we will we will do our best uh and if anybody wants to be like a, a willing blood sacrifice to the great printer gods and shipping gods uh we have a uh, ritualistic altar somewhere that you can uh, no, nice nice i i i will i will include you in my already ongoing rituals um and you know we'll we'll just add yours to the mix my prayers will include metromancer at this point um that's cool Awesome. All right. Well, there is, there's a lot that's cool there. Um, I mean, I'm a backer, wanted to be a backer from the beginning. Um, oh, thank you. And thank you. I, I can only hard recommend this. And, and, and I, I don't, I've never, I don't think I've ever read any of Stein or Filippo's writing, but, um, <laughs> but I could, uh, I can comment that Ian uh, has, has definitely written stuff that I've read before and yeah. has done a killer job. So, I'm not worried at all about this book. I think it's going to be awesome all the way around. So, um, well, if you like what they what they wrote, I edited a, a lot of it, so that that counts for something, right? That's right. Yeah, 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 that's exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, fellas, uh, thank you so much for for hopping in, and I've really enjoyed getting to chat with you, get to know you, and get to get a little peek into your project. Um, where other than going to the kickstarter page is there any other places you would direct folks i know we should probably say uh for ian's benefit and because it's a good show that there's the wandering monster podcast oh, and, yeah, wandering monster show, um, and they run all sorts of amazing games over there 
Um, and I, I can't keep up. That's the reality is that mm. I thought I was doing good both with streaming and with running games. And then I look, I look to my left and there's, there's one on cast every, yeah. every Wednesday. We had a, we had an off week this week. Uh, I think we've only had to cancel like two shows in the last year and a quarter, but um, yeah, every Wednesday at a, at eight thirty PM central time uh, to ten thirty cent thirty. PM Central Time. I'm running a different NDTP RPG uh, every week to really showcase our fellow creators and designers and help them promote their works best we can. So you can always follow us at the tag, which is Juan Moncast. So W A N M O N C A S T. And that's at Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Podbean, and even.com. Um, but for our project, we do have a free PDF sample that you can look at that's actually on Stain's um, uh, itch page. Um, so if you just basically Google Metromancer um, itch.io, you will find the page and you can download a little snippet and a little glance into the book to see if it floats your goat. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, Stein, anything nice. else you would you direct folks to? Uh, that's uh, probably it uh, to the each bit uh, for the preview. Hey, you guys should buy his uh, Abhorrent Six. It's a really fun uh, book for Frontier Scum. It's a good. Book. It is. Yeah, it's, it's a lot it's of fun. It's it's the best book. I'll, 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 Kingdom. Yeah. I'll retract my statement and say that I have read some of Stein's work at that point. Yeah, because Abhorrent Six is amazing, and I forgot about that. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, and then, Filippo, any, anything from you? Uh, well, for me, you can find me as uh, Nihur on, uh, I don't know, Instagram, Patreon, Twitch, HEO, uh, everywhere, kind of. like. I do like a lot of Patreon stuff and collaboration with other people, mothership or third party, most of it. Perfect. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that's amazing. Okay, cool. Um, We'll have all those links down in the show notes uh, for anybody who is uh, watching this or listening to this later. Uh, thank you all again so much, and good luck with the rest of your project. Thank, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Train, start running. <laughs> <laughs>